obviously, you know, I went through eight months of chemo, and it was absolutely the toughest time of my life. Um, finally, I got out of the hospital. I started to recover. I think I was about 118. I was 145, dropped down about 118. Um, and then from there, I was just trying to work back. You know, I really, I really wanted to get back to being normal. Um, but the issue was, when you're isolated for so long, and all it is is you, God, and your mom, like, you just get lonely. And so when I get back to school, um, I start hanging out with the wrong crowd. I start doing the wrong things because I was isolated for so long. And uh, I kind of just ran away from God. And it was the most intense moments of my life. because, And it was the most angriest moments of my life because I knew through the six months that I just completely depended on God through every single day, every new story, or every time the doctor told me that there was something else wrong. Like, that's all I had to depend on. And when I got back, I was so mad because I knew I turned my back on God. I was drinking. I was cussing. I was screaming at my mom. I was punching holes in the walls. I was just doing the wrong things. And um, my mom drug me to church one night, and I knew it was game over. Like, the moment I stepped foot in church, like, it's it's just going to be overwhelming. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I, I went back in church. I, I immediately surrendered my life back to Jesus, and I started getting back on track. Um, and so... From that point, uh, I'm, I'm working out, I'm playing basketball, I'm getting back to where I want to be. And uh, and things are looking up. Things are doing a lot better. I even, it was, I remember it was New Year's, and I posted on Facebook a before and after of where I was at that time last year, um, and then where I was this year, and where I was going to be. And it was literally days later, um, I, maybe not, maybe a week later, I don't know. But immediately after, uh, I remember we had to go back to the hospital and uh, we had to get a bone marrow uh, biopsy to, to, to check and see how the leukemia was, if it was still gone, if I was still in remission. And it had relapsed. Um, and it was like this whole nightmare just happened all over again. And it was just, it was scary. It was. But, but God, he gave me so much peace in that moment. Like I never shed a tear. I never cried. I never worried. I just had in my mind, like, I know exactly what we're going to do. I know what this is going to be like. I know how to get through it. Let's just do this thing. Let's get through it. So I go through more chemo. It's even more intense, even more harsh. It's just incredibly excruciating. Um, and there was a point where it just got so bad. Um, I became septic. At the same time that I was septic, and when you're septic, I mean, you can't hardly move. I mean, I'm literally just in the bed, almost lifeless at this point. Like, I've had so much chemo, so much damage to my body. Doctors come in at the, probably the worst spot that, that I've been in yet. They come in and they say, Skylar, like we took another bone or a biopsy. Um, the, the leukemia is back again. So the whole goal, right, is for the chemo to be so strong that it wipes out everything. Your immune system, your blood, platelets, everything. So that I can have a bone marrow transplant to get someone else's uh, bone marrow inside of me. So that's the goal. But when the chemo is so strong and it's still not holding that leukemia down, there's nothing else that you can do. And this is basically the point where we were at. And so he basically said there's nothing else we can do. And that's where I was in that situation. And, and uh, before I continue on with my testimony, I, I want to I go into some scriptures. Uh, and we'll talk about what happened next. 
2 Corinthians 12, 7-9. And my whole focus for today is, is the word contentment. And as I'm studying this out and I'm thinking, like, God, like, what specifically about contentment? What, what do you want me to speak on? Like, there's so many things uh, that we can take from, from the word contentment. And, and I want to potentially talk about finances later. I don't know if I will or not. But I definitely want to talk about the specific thing, and it's being content in Christ through your trials. Right? Mm-hmm. So let's just keep that in mind. Like, when we're going through their issues, when we're going through our trials, we can find contentment not in those trials, but in Christ. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. Multiple uh, Bible scholars actually interpret when he says a thorn in my flesh, they actually interpret that as a stake driven through my flesh. So we can really picture just exactly how big of an issue this was for Paul, right? Like this is no small thing. Like this is something that he strongly dealt with, that he continuously went to the Lord and said, God, like this is what I'm going through. I need you to help me with this thing. God said, my grace is enough. Right. My grace is sufficient. If you were Paul in this situation, how would you respond? God, like, the cancer won't leave. My grace is sufficient. Mm-hmm. God, my bills need paid. Mm-hmm. My grace is sufficient. I'm overwhelmed, God. My grace is sufficient. Right? Like, how would we respond when we have this desperate desire, this desperate tragedy going on in our life, and we're praying, and we're seeking, we're asking God, God, I need you to take over. He says, shh, I'm enough. Mm-hmm. I'm enough to get you through this. Right. How would we respond? There's a song. It's such a good song. It's, it's called Different by Micah Tyler. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in the song, before he starts, he starts talking about his testimony a little bit. And he said uh, there was a hurricane that, that blew on his house. And, you know, there's this huge tragedy. And, and, you know, they're they're trying to pick up the pieces and, and wonder what they're going to do next. And they're rebuilding. And they're going through this process, right? And he's kind of waiting for things to get back to normal because that's what we do when we go through issues. We're just waiting for things to get back to normal. And then his, his grandmother gets cancer. And so that's another thing that hits him, Right. And, uh, and then, you know, so they're going through this process. They're, they're rebuilding their house. Their grandmother's going through cancer. And then they're just waiting for things to get back to normal. They're praying. They're believing. They're trusting God. It's going to be okay. It's going to turn for the good. And then the little brother, he gets stage four cancer. And so I just think about that. Like, if this is me, I'm, I'm going through one thing. And then it just gets worse. And it gets worse. And it gets worse. And it's this thought of, like, we pray and we're like, God, can you change these things? And this is exactly what he's saying before he starts the song. He's like, God, will you change these things? Will you change my trial? Will you change my circumstances? 
And he said, but God chose not to change them just yet. And so something happened in Micah Tyler's mind. And he said, something had to change. There had to be a shift in my mindset. And so he started praying a little bit differently. He said, God, these things will be taken care of. But in the meantime, I'm asking you, instead of changing these things, will you change me so that I can handle the things that you're walking me through? Amen. Right? And then he says, that's what makes all the difference. Is that change in mindset. Being content of knowing that even through the worst times, if I never get out of the situation, Christ is enough. Amen. His strength, His goodness, His love, His mercy. Can you change my heart? Can you change my mindset? Can you change my perspective? Because we're so quick to blame God and to put the focus on ourselves. And like, God, don't you see what I'm going through? Mm-hmm. When it's not always about us, sometimes there's a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Right. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I want to add to that scripture. The sufferings that we go through today don't compare to the goodness, the kindness, the power, the peace, and the healing brought to us by Christ. Amen. Are you allowing your situation to glorify God? Are you finding contentment in whatever place you find yourself in? Because it's not easy. Philippians 1, 12 to 14. Philippians 1, 12 to 14. But I want you to know, brother, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Mm -hmm. And now most of the brethren in the Lord have actually become confident by my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Amen. Because Paul was in jail... Because of Paul's situation, because of his circumstances, the gospel was expanded. People were encouraged. Chains were broken off. Fear left because of Paul's chains. Amen. Acts 16.23. It says, And when they had laid many stripes on them, when they had beaten them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. What happens is Paul and Silas, they get, thrown, they get beaten and they get thrown in jail, right? Like they're in this place. And it's so easy, I feel like, for us to read the Bible and to just think that they haven't made. Like we already know what happened. So it's easy for us to, to put ourselves in their shoes and to think that it would be easy to be joyful. But if we were real with ourselves, like in that moment, like there were thousands of thousands of Christians dying every single day, and they so easily could have been that one. Like they didn't know what tomorrow held. They didn't know. Like they were just beaten brutally, and they were in jail. And they made a choice to start singing praises to God. Amen. They start singing praises to God, and what happens is... They start singing, there was an earthquake, right? And mm-hmm. their chains broke loose. Right. Not only their chains, but actually everyone's chains. <laughs> and so the jailer wakes up, and he sees the door open, and he can't see the prisoners inside. And he actually assumes that they had all left. And so the jailer who was watching 
uh, who were keeping guard over them actually drew his sword to kill himself because he thought they had all escaped. And Paul and Silas said, oh, hold up, hold up. You know, like, we're here. We're here. It's all right. It's, it's good. And the man goes to, Pilus, or goes to Paul and Silas and he says, what must I do to be saved? Amen. And so he, the jailer, actually ends up getting saved, and his whole household gets saved. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful because it's this picture of because of what Paul went through, he, other people were saved because of his chains. That's right. Are other people's chains being loosed because of how you respond to the chains that you have? Right. I'm going to go ahead and finish up my testimony and tell you guys what happened. So the doctor comes in and he's like, there's nothing more that we can do for you. You know, I actually pulled my oncologist inside and uh, I asked my mom and all my family to leave. And it's just me and my oncologist one-on-one. I'm, I'm barely even aware of what's going on. I've got so much pain medicine going through me. I'm barely even understanding the situation, but I'm aware at the same time. I said, if this really is the case, right, like if, if, if the cancer really is back and there's not a whole lot more that you can do, sometimes they'll go through trial chemo, right? Like they don't know exactly if it'll work or not, but they'll try it. And I said, I don't want that. Like I'm done. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And I'm done. And uh, he left crying his eyes out. Obviously, the nurses and the staff knew exactly what I told them. And the nurses were crying. My family was crying. It was, it was a very intense moment. And uh, I'm pretty sure I probably fell back asleep. But uh, before I fell back asleep, I just texted everyone I knew, like, just be in prayer. Like, this is what's going on. The doctor said there's not much more they can do. And I remember, I remember later on seeing a picture that night um, of the Logan High School football field. And that whole football field was gathered with people praying. There was this huge prayer circle. And that's exactly what was going on uh, in that moment, in that time frame. Before the oncologist left, he said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to send it out to someone else. Let them take a look at it. Uh, we know exactly uh, what I saw, but we'll let them look in, just in case. And uh, so just I remember that night, like after I'd, after I'd had thousands of thousands of people praying for me, like the oncologist busted through the door, threw his hands up. He said, thank God. And we know at that moment what happened. The cancer had completely left. It wasn't there anymore. And uh, so we can continue with treatment. So... Yeah, it's so easy for us to not believe in miracles today, but I'm telling you, it happened to me. Like that's my testimony. Right. That's exactly what happened. It's so good. It's so powerful. And He wants to move in our lives like that every single day if we trust Him. And it's like, what do you do in those circumstances when your back's against the wall? What do you do when you're in prison and you're in chains? How do you respond? And. Uh, so that's basically the testimony. I mean, you know, we I go through my bone marrow transplant, and uh, that is far the farthest thing from the hardest peak of what I went through. That transplant was absolutely miserable. I mean, I've heard it put this way. Someone someone else who had been through a transplant a transplant previously said you basically have to die to stay alive. That's that's the best way to explain it. I mean, it was the most excruciating, painful. 30 days I've ever been through and, and beyond that. But we got through it. And uh, uh, April 8th of uh, 2014 was uh, my last treatment that I had. And so that's basically my testimony. Um, 
And then what's beautiful about that is when you go through certain things, you are able to help others go into the same situation. And there's this little girl, her name's uh, Bianca, and uh, she was diagnosed with uh, cancer. I don't, I don't know if it's leukemia or not, but she was actually diagnosed. She's just this tiny little girl, and she's just amazing. Um, and she was staying at Nationwide Children's Hospital, which is the same one that I went to. Um, and I live about 30 minutes from there. And I got a call and, and, uh, and let me know like that she was going through this thing. And so I met up with her. I called her, her mom to see if I could come visit. And I just remember being on my way there. This hits me so hard. Uh, I remember being on my way there. And I'm listening to worship music. And I'm a little bit nervous because you don't really know what to say to someone so young going through something so terrible. And I just remember praising God. I said, God, thank you that you allow me to go through this misery and this pain and this suffering so that I have the opportunity to minister to this little girl. Because not many people get the opportunity to do that. This little girl is going through this such tragic moment. That she doesn't even know if she's going to make it or not, right? Like, she's in this place. Like, her faith is strong, but it's a tough situation. Now, I'm just overwhelmed with tears and blessing God and thanking Him that He allowed me to go through such pain and such chaos and such misery that in the moment it literally felt like hell on earth. It felt like a nightmare every day. And I'm praising God for it because now I get the opportunity to share and minister and to love this little girl through the same thing that I went through. Amen. You know, the only way that I was able to get to that place of praising God for my circumstances and for my sufferings is because in the moment of my suffering, I had to get to a spot where I said, God, this cancer never leaves. I'm content with you. There you go. If this never changes, if this circumstances never goes away, you are enough. If I die because of this thing, God, I still trust you that you are good. I had to learn to be content with knowing that Christ is enough, that he is so much smarter. He knows so much more than I do, and I had to yield myself to him. Amen. we got to get to that place. we got to have that shift in our mindset that, God, regardless of what I go through, you are enough. If this thorn never leaves my side, you are enough. If the cancer never leaves and it kills me, you are enough, Jesus. Yes. Right. Thank you, God. The beautiful thing about contentment is even if you're not going through anything, like it can still be applied practically every day, right? Uh, just to tone it down a little bit. You know, it's like, there's a scripture, and we often forget, but you know the scripture actually says be content with your wages? Man, that's a hard pill to swallow, right? <laughs> like, how often do we just do we just go through work and we're just so incontent? And I don't think it necessarily means that you can't desire to have a raise, but I think in that day, in that moment, right, like whenever you get paid and whenever you leave work, whatever you make, just say, God, that was enough. Like, I'm going to trust that whatever I got paid, you're going to make it happen for me. Amen. Like, I'm going to be content in that. Right. I don't know why. I just felt led to, to go over some finances real quick with you guys. I know it went from 100 to about 10 real quick. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you. 
for everything that you are. God, may you just pierce hearts today. May you do a new thing in someone's life, God. May we not be the same. May we look at you different. May everything we do be revolved around you because you are so good. You're so merciful. You're so kind. Your ways are far beyond our ways. You're so much wiser. God, help us to yield, to give up trying to have it our way. And God, whatever circumstances that we're in, may we say that it's enough. That you are enough to get us through. And God, if we never get out of it, God, let us understand and hope and trust that your strength is enough to sustain us. Father, I pray for those who don't know you right now, God. God, if they're going through a situation, they don't even have the opportunity to lean on you because they don't know you. I pray that today they surrender their hearts to you. Mm-hmm. And God, they would find so much peace and joy through their circumstances and their chaos because our circumstances don't define us. You do, Lord. So God, I pray for them. Say, God, pray that you would draw them close to you, God. Break their heart for what breaks yours, God. Help them to see what you see. God, change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 been said if you are here and you you aren't saved or you're going through a situation maybe it's not as bad as what Scholar went through but maybe you need to give it over to the Lord this would be a great time to do that our sister Florence back there just went through the same procedures <coughs> that you have gone through. God's given her a clean bill of health so far. We're thankful for the fight that she fought. Yeah. Hey, I have a request. Are you guys able to play, like get on YouTube and play songs? Mm-hmm. Can you play that song by Mike Tyler different? Um, Natalie, do you have that song? We played it once here. Oh, did you? Difference. Different. I want to be a. I want God to make a difference. Or is it different? It's different. Different. I want to be different. That's it. <laughs> Maybe we just let it play and just, just soak up on it. Okay. If she can find it. Yeah, not. That's okay. When. Um, the doctor and scholar had that talk and he texted everyone. It was in the afternoon. I was in world history class and a bunch of kids ran. Because you know I don't have my phone out texting during class, but they ran to my door and they said, Mr. Gobble, we've got to pray. We gotta pray. Scholar's dying. Scholar's dying. I said, What? He just sent a text that, that they've given up hope. So it's the first time I left class to pray. Out in the hall by my room, we had a prayer circle. 
And then that night we went to the football field and, and there was a, the community showed up. It was an awesome thing. Did you find it? So we do not know what your heart is here today, but 